0: Thanks for listening to a YPC podcast. We believe God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we'd love to hear about it. Take a second to send your story to office at ypcprior.com and enjoy the message today. Glad you guys are here. You navigated the uh, obstacle course today. You know, you got around. So I heard people said they tried to go up 49th Street, and of course, it was closed. And then, of course, Elliot. Typically, Elliot closes before 49th Street does. And uh, which I think now officially this is 530 Road. I don't know if it's 49th anymore because we had to change our address, so they informed us what our new address is. But thank you for navigating around all the barricades. And just for people who may be watching on Facebook Live uh, or listening to the podcast, we have permission from the the, um, county commissioners to drive around the barricades. I know everybody's like, no, 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 you'll get a ticket if you go around the barricades. Not if you're coming to church, all right? So you can, you can, they don't make it easy for you to get around the barricades, but you can drive around the barricades to get to church. Um, they know we're back here. They know we're worshiping on the weekend. So for all of you guys who broke the law, thank you, all right? I'm glad you guys are here. It's going to be a great service. We are in part four of our Who Am I series. It's been a great series. Week one, we were talking about Who Am I When I Feel Insecure? Week two, we said, who am I when I don't feel like I'm enough, when we're comparing ourselves to other people, right? I just don't feel like I'm enough. And then, of course, last week, uh, who am I when I fail? And uh, the Lord has been doing a great work through the entire series. Today, we're going to take it from a different angle. The whole point of the series, really, Mark Twain said there are three main questions that we're all asking. Number one, who am I? where do I come from? And again, you're like, what does that even mean? You know, I, of course I know I came from, I'm born and raised in Pryor or Mays County or wherever it is you're, you're raised. We can answer the question we think, but really it's more like, who is my family? Who is my lineage, right? Who, where do I come from and what am I doing here? And I really believe that all of them are wrapped around this self-evaluating question of who am I? And that's what this series has been about, discovering who God has created you to be. Not so much as far as your life purposes, even though that is tied up in who you're called to be. So many people, we, we have it backwards. We, we find out what we want to do, and then we determine who we want to be. Well, it's backwards. If you will first find out who you are in Christ and then build what you do off of that your life will be so much better. Can I have an amen, someone? Today, I want to talk about who am I when I don't feel happy? When I don't feel happy, who am I? Let's pray. Father, we thank you right now for your word. I thank you, Father God, for what your word means to us. Lord, for speaking to us through your word and through your spirit right now. Father, we just pause in this moment and we we allow your Holy Spirit to take the service from this point forward. I know I've got some notes on a screen, God, but I don't want to just communicate my notes. I want to communicate your message today. So, Father, we lean into you. We trust you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but there's a lot of ads, magazines, promotional campaigns out there, commercials, right? They're all asking... The same questions. How many talk shows have been produced centered around this idea of how do I find happiness? I mean, people are looking for fulfillment in life. And when I get to this place in life, I'll be happy. I know it happens this way with young people all the time. Like Taliana, when she was like junior high, high school, she was like, I don't want Jesus to come back until I get married, right? <laughs> I just want to get married and then Jesus can come back. Well, she got married last week. Look to the skies, friends. Like, he could be coming back any minute. But that's just it. We, but what it is is she's like, I want to experience this because I think when I'm married, I'll be happy, right? Or for some of us, it's like, you know, I'll be happy when we have a family, when I get this job, when I have this promotion, when I obtain this certain amount of money or status, when really it's discontentment is what it is. And discontentment is something that, if we're not careful, will cloud our judgment in life, and it clouds our true happiness. If you think about it, our discontentment is really what clouds our happiness. And I think it's a cultural problem. I think our culture kind of bends us this direction. And, you know, I I read something last week on... Apple News, that's how I get all my news, right? My news comes right to my phone. I don't really watch the evening news or don't have time. But I'll I'll just take the the glimpse, you know, on the news app, and I'll just kind of see what's going on in the world real quick. And I read an article last week that we now have walking on the face of the planet our third person who is worth in excess of $100 billion. Like one dude, there's three of them now. This, the third one is like some guy from England who I think Louis Vuitton, like he, he sells all the Louis Vuitton purses and stuff like that. So I'm assuming they're purses. I don't know what they are. I don't buy Louis Vuitton. I did not contribute to this guy's billions. But anyway, he is now a billionaire and I'm reading this and you know, when we think about people who's got over a hundred billion dollars, we think that guy's probably pretty happy. You know what I mean? I mean, he can fly anywhere, do anything, have anything he wants because when you have a hundred billion dollars, you can pretty much do what you want to do. You would think, but then we've all heard the phrase that money doesn't buy you happiness. And for some of us who's never really experienced that kind of wealth or any wealth, so to speak of, we hear statements like that and we're like, Yeah, that may be not true, but at least I could be miserable on a good part of town or a good side of town, right? It's like we hear statements like that and we think there's no way that's true. But then we read stories like the, the story of Solomon in the Old Testament, and he shows us a picture of what life could be like if we could have everything because he gets it all. I mean, he is Forbes magazine, top of the top, right? Mind-blowing fame, fortune, everything. And Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament is basically the personal journal of a multi-billionaire. And that's what Solomon was. Real estate, he had it. Vacations, he went. Stuff, all he wanted. And Ecclesiastes chapter 2 tells us how much he was unsatisfied even in having everything he could have, and he was discontent. He said this in verse 1, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure, talking to himself, I said to myself, I will test you, self, with pleasure to find out what is good, but that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness, and what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to, to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. So he's, he's recognizing we're only here on earth for a small window of time. Like what is worth living for, right? And so he says he did all of these things. Verse 4 says, I earned took great projects. I built houses for myself. I, I planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. In other words, he's like, I did it all for myself. Like, I have all of this money, right, multi-multi-billions back in, like, Bible days, so it would be trillions compared to our value today. He says I did it all. Verse 10 says I denied myself nothing in my eyes, right? Or nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor. In other words, it was like I had fun. And it was and this was the reward for my toil. In other words, here it comes. This is what I this is what I realized. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. In other words, great, I got a great big house. So, <laughs> right, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. So he's talking about, man, I did everything. I just wanted to see how it would feel to do anything and everything I wanted to do for myself. And he says, at the end of the day, got this great big house, got these vineyards and the gardens, and I made sure they were irrigated, and we just had a great, great time. But then when it was all said and done, I looked at it, and I was like, why? (laughs) It was meaningless. And what he's looking for to satisfy him doesn't. Solomon is looking, he wants this soul level satisfaction. And after all of his searching, his hope that he would, that each of these things, either the houses or the projects or the vacations or whatever, that he would find some sort of satisfaction in what, in what they were doing in his life. And he finishes the whole book, chapter 12, verse 13. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. In other words, After the whole, after I, what, what did I learn through this whole thing? Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the duty of all mankind. In other words, at the end of the day, I was never satisfied until I just realized who I was in, in God. I I was never satisfied until I just kept his commandments until I lived my life for him. So we see this one example in the Old Testament and then we can kind of flip over a few pages and we see the life of Jesus who actually had everything and didn't keep it necessarily for himself but essentially emptied himself. Jesus is the contrast to what everyone thinks will make you happy. He doesn't live for himself. He actually lives his life for others. True happiness is more than this elusive feeling. It's it's more, it's not asking the question of how do I get it, it's more of answering the question, this is who I am. This is who I am. This is who God created me to be. And Jesus tells us on his Sermon on the Mount how to get true happiness. In fact, he uses one word all the way through Matthew chapter 5 here, and that word that he uses, that he picks, that he best describes true happiness is the word blessed. Blessed, Jesus, Jesus' words, Matthew 5, 5. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside, and he sat down, and his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, and he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He could tell that he got their attention, so he keeps going, all right? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. In other words, there is a, you're never going to stay where you are. God's going to continually bless you. Blessed are those who mourn, right? Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. In other words, anything that you're trying to live your life for, meaningfulness comes in this phrase blessed, and it comes with this relationship with God. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called children of God blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven and blessed are you when people insult you persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me Jesus uses one word here and he uses the word blessed which if you go look up the word in the original text, it has this connotation of true happiness. True happiness comes when all of these things are an example in your life. It's not a self-serving happiness. It's a true, fulfilling happiness. And it's, it's not just a season. It's a way of life. It's a way of life. It's prioritizing those things that are actually important. And it's found more on what's on the inside of us than what's on the outside. Does that make sense, friends? Ephesians chapter one, verse three says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. The message from the scriptures is, everything you're looking for, everything you're looking for is actually found in Christ. It's found in him. And people are like, I just don't know how to connect the dots. No, 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 no. If you actually get in Jesus, he'll connect those dots for you. It's all solved when our lives are rooted and grounded in Christ. I know this for me. My life became so much more meaningful when I found out who I am in Jesus Christ. When I found out I don't have to struggle with insecurity. When I struggled that I don't have to or when I found out that I don't have to struggle with whether or not I'm enough. Whether or not I'm enough for my my wife. Whether I'm not uh, enough for to pastor this church. When I found out that Jesus Christ loves me and has equipped me for whatever I'm doing in life All of a sudden, my life took more meaning in greater depth. Does this make sense, friends? When I found out who I was in Christ, everything changed. So let him point to that over the next few minutes in your life. As we kind of navigate through the word of God here, let the Holy Spirit nudge you. Because there is a satisfaction you can't get anywhere else. Solomon has proved it. Jesus has proved it. And I understand it. Listen, friends, I get it. Unhappiness is real. It's a real thing. People who are unhappy in life. And we feel that way. I think we all feel that way at times. You know, Tyra did a virtue blog a few weeks ago and she started talking about, we've all had seasons of straight-up unhappiness. And I know people look at our life and they're like, you guys, you guys don't, you don't look unhappy. We're not unhappy, but there has been seasons of unhappiness in our life. And people look at me and they're like, man, you got a great wife or, you know, Tyra, you got a great husband. You guys live in a great place. You got great kids. You know, it's like, how can you be unhappy? You're in full-time ministry. You travel, you do all these great things, and listen, it is great. But do you know how we got here? When we were in our 20s trying to figure out this marriage thing, we were still content. We were content in the fact that we we both did not know it all. We both were growing. We were content in each other's flaws. And trust me, she had some, all right? she had some flaws and I, and I had a couple, but we dealt with those. But we were content all the way through them. We were content with having one car when our kids were younger so, so my wife could stay at home and raise the kids. Now, this is not for everyone. You do you. Whatever God tells you to do, you do it. But for us, we made the decision that Tyra was going to stay home with our, with our children and she was going to raise our kids. Well, that meant we had one car and it did not have a car payment. Like, We paid cash for the car. And then we did not live in the greatest and the biggest and the best house. But you know what? We were content. Did you want other stuff in life? Well, sure, we all do. But we were content in what God had given us in this season of our life. And it doesn't mean we didn't go through problems. We had plenty. Often we didn't have enough money. Friends have betrayed us. Death has visited our family. Our kids have gotten sick. Setbacks have happened. Lots of disappointments have come our way. But it did not shake loose our contentment with life. Are you with me, friends? People who have a general sense of contentment are are happier, people in life. It's the, it's the scripture, Philippians chapter 4. I know that what it is to be in need, Paul says, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And see, we'll find that second part of that scripture, we'll find that tattooed on thousands of athletes, posted on millions of sticky notes and framed on countless walls. And rarely will any of them actually mention what it's talking about. It's actually talking about contentment, not I can do all things through Christ. I'll tackle this mountain. Yes, that it, that's involved and included. But if you read that scripture in its context, he's actually talking about Man, I'm just content with God in my life. I'm just content. I know what it's like to be fed, and I know what it's like to be hungry. I found contentment. Rarely will, uh, will people mention that. Contentment is just who we are. It's who we are. And we've met a lot of unhappy people, but the reason why they're unhappy, listen to me, friends, is they're Placing their happiness in someone or something that has let them down. And when you place your happiness in a person who is not God, they will let you down. If you place your happiness in something like a career or a, a position or, or something in life, it will let you down. It always does. And therefore, our happiness is based on things that we cannot control. Does this make sense? Unhappiness does not just leave you. People want it to, people, we just assume that we're going to wake up one day and it's going to be like, ah, I feel happy today. You know what I mean? We feel like, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that those days don't happen. Obviously, if the sun's shining tomorrow, I will wake up and be like, ah, I feel happy today. But we want, we want that to be, we want this to be this definitive moment in time that all of a sudden, unhappy, unhappiness just leaves us. It doesn't work that way. You have to drive unhappiness from your life. Does that make sense? You know, when I say, "Does that make sense?" I'm I'm trying to get you guys to talk back to me. You know that, right? Thank you. I know it makes sense. I want you to know it makes sense. I want you to know how to drive unhappiness out of your life. How do you do that? It doesn't just—it doesn't just disappear. You have to drive it out. It's a decision. Unhappiness does not just leave you. You have to drive it out on a continual basis. Solomon drove himself with this thought, I'm going to pursue everything in life and see what makes me happy. Jesus says, I don't care about any of that. I'm going to go serve as, as many people as I can. And Jesus found happiness. Jesus gave it all up and found everything he was looking for. And what I realized that drives unhappiness is really when you boil it all the way down. It's selfishness. It's selfishness. And the Bible the, the Bible the Bible actually talks about un or talks about selfish gain. Selfish gain. And there's nothing wrong with gain, friends. I'm not one of those preachers that's like, money's bad. No, 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 no. The, the, the Bible has more to say about finances, wealth, and riches than any other topic in the Bible. Like, God's very interested in your prosperity. He, he is. But when that's all you're living for, you're going to be Solomon. You're going to get to the end of it, and you're going to be like, well, it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth the relationships I lost. It wasn't worth the hours I worked. It wasn't worth anything. You talk to people who are on their deathbed. Maybe they're old or whatever. They know that their time is limited. And you go up and you say, listen, what's one thing? If you could change something in your life, what would be the one thing? And they'll all tell you the same thing. I wish I would have spent more time with my kids. I wish I would have spent more time with my family. But they're, they're, they are what means everything to me, and I just, I just wasted my time with them. I wish I would have helped people. I wish I would have served more. The Bible says in Mark chapter 10, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. First Timothy chapter 6 says, Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or fix their hope on uncertainty of riches. But on God, the Scripture's trying to tell you, listen, if your hope is on the uncertainty of riches, you're one deal away from losing it all. You're one job away, one client away. Uh, the economy could turn in your field of industry and it can all go away. And if that's what you're placing your trust in, it's just a matter of time. But when you place your trust and your hope on God, it could all go away, and He's still going to cause you to increase. He's still going to cause you to be blessed. I've known people that their entire field was non-existent anymore. And now, they had to to retool up, but you know what? God bless them. They're making twice as much money in a field they didn't even get a degree in. Why? Why? Because they trusted and their eyes were focused on God. Does this make sense? Proverbs chapter 23, 26 says this. Give me your heart, my son, and let your eyes delight in my ways. How did Jesus drive out discontentment? He served others. Last week, it was my daughter's wedding. And um, there were people at that wedding we had probably between 120 and 150 we don't know how many people were there come and cram into my backyard my neighbors loved me all the traffic coming through my neighborhood parked in their yards and you know what i mean everybody was just parked everywhere there were people at the wedding who didn't see the ceremony they were there they didn't hear taliana say her vows they weren't there when she threw the bouquet, and Allison jumped 15 feet off the air to grab it. We got it. We got pictures of it. We got pictures of it. It's great. But they didn't see that because they were serving our family. So we could see that. They cooked, they cleaned, they set stuff up, and then they stayed after. and helped us tear it all down. They came back the next day and stayed with us all day until everything that we borrowed was returned. And they could have done anything they wanted that day. But they served us. And it meant so much to us. And in turn, it meant so much to them. Some of you, you, um, you've been through some stuff. You've been through some stuff. Mark chapter 16: 24 said, "Then Jesus said to his disciples, "If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me." The people that I know that are genuinely the happiest are those who have created an atmosphere around their life of contentment. And they're searching not for happiness. But they're searching for people to help. They're content in living their life helping others. Some of you, you know grief. You've walked through the death of a loved one. And you know what it feels like to wake up the morning after and wish it was just a dream. Please let it be a bad dream only to realize that it wasn't. And God got you through that season in your life. Help someone else who's grieving. Some of you, you've been through a divorce. And some of them has been ugly. Some more civil, but you've still been through a divorce. And you know people right now who that's kind of the way it's looking. Just like you needed someone to walk you through that season, you just needed a friend, you needed someone that could be there, that you could cry on their shoulder or would pray with you, be that person to someone else. Because then all of a sudden your life takes on meaning. Some of you, you've, been, you've done well in your blended families, like your stepchildren refer to you as mom or dad, even though they have a biological mom or dad, because you've done well with them. Help other blended families. What, what, what did you do that worked? People need this. Some of you, you have survived cancer or some other disease, and like you've made it through on the other side by God's grace and his healing power. There are people who are just getting the news right now. And you know how they felt when they said the C word. When they said, we've got a a season ahead of us. And walk them through. They need to know that God is faithful. And and that just like he took you through this process, he's going to take them. The greatest way to get over discouragement in your life is to first know who you are in Jesus and then drive out unhappiness in your life by living your life to help someone else. Jesus said, it's called blessed. Blessed when you serve others. I'm so proud of our summer interns because yesterday they were out helping a lady in our community who lost her husband recently. And he used to do the yard work, and she can't. And so our summer intern showed up. They were there most of the morning into the afternoon helping this lady who doesn't even worship at your place church because they were being the church. They were serving others. Today, we were out this morning like when the monsoon came. We were out with umbrellas serving people, helping them. I didn't even have my mic on. I was out there with an umbrella helping people. We were serving others. And it gives you such this this feeling of blessed. Jesus said, blessed is the answer. Blessed when you give of yourself. Amen, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, Father God, that the answer to unhappiness is actually realizing who we are in Jesus Christ and living our lives for other people. God, we saw Solomon's story, and then we see Jesus' story. Father, we choose to live Jesus' story. And Lord, for some of us, we've recognized that the answer to happiness begins with a personal relationship with Him, with Jesus. We're not going to know who we are in Christ until we know Christ. So in this room, right now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, if you've never began a relationship with Jesus, I want to pray with you. Or maybe you're in the room and you once had a relationship with Jesus, but you walked away and you want to rededicate your life today. Just let me pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. We're not going to have you stand up, come forward, but I would like to know who I'm praying for. If that's you, just put your hand up, and put it right back down. Anybody in this room, I can pray with you before we leave, before we change the direction of this service. Amen. You have been listening to a YPC podcast. Visit our website at ypcprior.com to hear more.